Hi guys, I'm Kristen and this is Carla. Hi. <laughs> Join us as we explore the origin stories and fun facts or something. Okay, so we have a bit of a weird episode or different episode for you guys this week. You might have noticed, or maybe you didn't, you better have noticed, that <laughs> <laughs> we didn't um, publish an episode last week of the podcast. We actually did record something. It was like a two-hour-long episode. We each did our own topics. But my topic um, was actually, for the first time, we had been researching the same topic, and Carla had decided not to do it because that week because... Um, it's brutal, and mm-hmm. I had decided to try to muddle through it, but it was it just wasn't working. So we were like, you know what? We're just gonna do. We're gonna scrap that episode. And we're just gonna do a new one, and we've decided to both tackle it together because yes. there's still no answer. Like we've looked, they're currently researching all of this stuff. Yes, so. and theories are being upended left and right. Yeah. So. So. We've decided to just kind of have a discussion about what possible theories there could there are out there and what could have happened and just share our frustration about not being able to figure out the origin of this thing. Yeah. So this in this episode, we are talking all about the origin of dogs, our right. little best friends, our best and it buddies. Started, a lot of our frustration started with like the question of domestication of dogs. Mm-hmm. But let's be clear, the actual origin... <laughs> Like the, it's it even that isn't clear. You know, like the evolutionary, you can do usually like um, through DNA and all the stuff. Like the family tree of a yeah. like a species, right? You can yeah. be like the alligator came from this, and humans came from whatever, right? Like yeah. But even with the dog, it is not a hundred percent. No. The only thing that they can agree on is that there was a common ancestor. Mm-hmm. So dogs didn't evolve from the wolf we know today. Right. They just evolve from a species. They're, so dogs and wolves today are what's known as a sister taxa. So, yes, they're related, but they're not from each other, right? It's not like right. the Because m- for a long time, is, that was yeah. something that was really common in the scientific world, too, mm-hmm. that they thought that dogs, as we know it na- them now, that they came from gray wolves that we also know right now, that it right. still exist right now. But th- those two things... Like, the dogs didn't come from gray wolves. They came from another species of wolf. Right. And gray wolves also came from that. So they both evolved down from the same species. And that species that kind of, like, was the parent of these two different Mm -hmm. species is now extinct. We don't even know what that, like... That's right. We haven't lived with that species. Exactly. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, that does. Yeah, well, to me it does. But, and even... (laughs) dogs themselves like they just found well not just this was a little while ago but um because a lot of the dates generally people kind of agree that dogs started appearing um well did they mean domesticated dog? oh my god so this is gonna get more complicated but like the dogs started appearing kind of around an, the last ice age i think or slightly before it or i don't know it's this whole thing and but they just found um in 2019, there was like an article about an 18,000 year old puppy frozen in Siberian permafrost. What? And they think it might be the ancestor of wolves. No, they don't know if it's the ancestor of wolves, dogs, or both. 
No way. Right. So they're still finding. They're still and, finding okay, stuff Okay, so out. when Kristen presented, she did such a beautiful presentation originally. <laughs> it was terrible, you guys. No, it really wasn't. It was actually really good. Um, it became clear that, like, there are just so many different possible paths that these There's, dogs could take. Yeah. We don't know if some people argue that they were domesticated. Okay, you know what? Let's back up. So the the big thing is like where did they come from and then when when were they domesticated right mm-hmm. yeah so the actual species naturally if you just took humans out of the equation right they don't know the exact answer for that right right and then as for domestication theories we don't know the answer to that either no and there's so much i think the reason why it's so confusing is that there are In the scientific world, there are so many conflicting, like normally you can find when we're doing research about things, there's the generally accepted stuff. And Mm -hmm. then there's like a few people who are like, (laughs) maybe it's not that or whatever. But then we can confidently bullshit our way through an episode. (laughs) Exactly. And generally you're like, okay, that's, you know, it's, it's widely accepted enough that that's fine. But in when it comes to the origin of dogs and the domestication of dogs, yes, there is there are so many really strong um, high up scientists and researchers and anthropologists Mm -hmm. and all of these different um, top people in all these different fields Mm -hmm. that are on different pages of everything like they have very very differing theories like theories to the point that if their theory is correct Mm -hmm. then the other theories definitely can't exist like they're not you know because some people you know they think dogs um, there were like something they I came across quite a bit was like the bottleneck thing and I don't quite understand it but they kind of make it sound like you know at some point um, that the wolf and already sort of domesticated dogs that they started interbreeding right like there was a lot of yeah. hybridization and gene flow mm-hmm. then there's like the east eastern dog situation dogs in like the far east mm-hmm then dog populations or wolf populations I should say in the west and then how did they meet in the middle like did were they independently evolving were they independently domesticated yeah then were the domesticated dogs mixing with the wild right it's like this very complicated thing yeah you can find a few things that are like pretty accurate like in so North I America. do have some stuff here I think that I was like okay what are the things that we do know that people all yes. agree on right go for it let me find it here it's farther down because I also had I'm gonna just actually skip back a little bit if you don't mind I don't mind I have a little bit of an introduction thing about to kind of explain why some of this is so difficult perfect um so although researchers have researchers have successfully determined the time location and ancestry of nearly every other domesticated species so like Carla was talking about with other animals it's been much simpler to figure out that came from that and this is when it happened So from sheep to cattle to chickens to guinea pigs, like they can figure out all, they've figured out all that stuff and it's very (laughs) conclusive. But for some reason, they continue to debate these questions for dogs. Mm. Um, uh, So Gregor Larson, he's he's from the University of Oxford and he's um, one of the main guys that's like figuring out some of this stuff. Um, So I was kind of asking the question, like, why is this so difficult to figure out? So he criticizes a lot of previous studies into the dog origins and domestication um, for using only modern dog DNA to get to that point. Right. Because that was what a lot of past stuff was based on. Yeah. 
Um, so the studies of modern dog DNA are not sufficiently informative, he explains, because people have moved and interbred dogs around the world numerous times, mm. which blurs their genetic heritage. Right. Any regional signatures that might have helped identify where they were domesticated has long since been lost. So mm. I think because they are such an old species too mm-hmm. and they've been around for so long and like you said they were breeding so they were the first wolves. domesticated animal right you they were, were the first wolves. domesticated yeah. animal so that's widely that's agreed upon mm-hmm. almost everybody all of the the <laughs> it's kind of crazy huh people agree that dogs were the first to be domesticated right, because if that uh, so the suggestion is like if they were I guess domesticated on the ice age that we had hunter gatherers at the time. So I looked this up in the, like the last glacial period in on the planet. It was very very inhospitable in the sense that it had like I think 20 times the amount of dust in the atmosphere. It was a crazy thing. Not a lot of vegetation. Um just very harsh like environment, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, you have hunter gatherers, so they're not settled down, right? They, right. So if you could explain a little bit, like, yeah, just that relation to agriculture and everything. And that's one of the, that's one of the things that everybody also agrees on. So let me find my little thing here. Okay. So we talked about the, the one thing that we do know, dogs are descended from a wolf species that's now extinct. We've talked about that already. Right. Um, It is also universally agreed by all of these scientists and everything that um, dogs were domesticated while humans were still hunter-gatherers and not okay. after they became agriculturalists. Right. So during okay. the agricultural revolution, that is when humans started settling down. They stopped being nomadic and they started um, growing grains and all that kind of stuff. And That's at that right. time, yeah. dogs were already domesticated. They were already dogs, not wolves anymore, mm-hmm. to whatever degree that is, mm-hmm. um, because I think it was a slower transition. It's not like they just all of a sudden a dog appeared out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It was like obviously over time that they evolved it into a different quickly. Uh, dem- can like dem- it? Yes, because um, it's like that fox study. We were talking about it before we started recording. There is this famous kind of uh, research that's started, I think, in the 50s, maybe 60s, where they were seeing how basically just how domestication works with the red fox. And people probably see a lot of videos and stuff on YouTube and everything of friendly foxes, right? And um, they were saying with that, like the fox started showing more of the typical domesticated traits of like the friendly little face and tail wagging and floppy mm-hmm. ears but uh, this this happened really quickly oh. so it can happen quickly it can happen i think they said something like in 100 generations or something where it's like oh wow yeah and so but still it's not happening within one animal's lifetime or even two animals like in one human's right. lifetime it wouldn't necessarily right. happen but right yeah i just read uh, one researcher the reason she brought this to is she actually asked the, pe- the people like kind of made them aware of like uh, she approached the fox researchers she was like are you guys considering you know brain anatomy and like gray matter and the size of the brain because a lot of people in the accepted old scientific thing is like domesticated animals tended i think to have smaller brains or something generally and they kind of mm-hmm. viewed it as a steady slow domestication a steady evolution mm-hmm. and she's trying to argue it doesn't work that way that there are going to be intense periods of selecting certain traits and qualities and that's really going to dramatically change how a animal behaves and how quickly they you know what i mean so mm-hmm. 
it's actually a lot more complicated than I thought. I didn't think, oh, oh, they selected the shy one or they selected aggressive That's out. Exactly, and, I know, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. she's trying to argue, yeah, they did, but it could have happened a lot more quickly in certain periods. Right. And then a lot more gradually in others. And it's well, and I think like, with some stuff, too, like when you're talking about specifically the domestication, is mm. like, is that... Um, like they have would have certain traits that make them more amenable to to also mm-hmm. learning and being trained right so it's like right. some of that stuff i think would speed up certain other things i don't yeah, know yeah. i think no, it's no, so complex fair. very complex yeah so just quickly one other reason why it's difficult to figure all this stuff out um is because wolves so gregor larson says quote wolves have a ridiculously broad distribution across the world mm. So, in contrast, the ancestors of most other domesticated species, such as sheep and chickens, had much smaller geographical ranges, so it made it really, like, a lot easier to trace their origins. But wolves were everywhere. They were traveling around everywhere. They could travel quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And so it's really hard to pinpoint, like, where it started and all that kind of stuff, right? So something else that I kind of wanted to look into when I was trying to like figure all this stuff out because in all the research that we were looking at and reading and you know delving into I couldn't really find anywhere that specifically laid out what makes a dog different from a wolf like what Mm. what's the distinguishing you know what's the telltale sign that this is a dog Mm -hmm. and not a wolf Right. Mm -hmm. Like when they're looking at these things, like, is it, you know, what is it? And people were still like quite actually quite vague. But wouldn't it be the genetics? The genetics. But it's like, but what in the genetics changes? Like what in the dog (gasps) changes from? I thought if they could trace it to. Yeah, yeah, they can look at the genetics. And the mixing and everything. But it's like, why would Mm. it make it a dog and not just another wolf species? Like, what's the difference? Right. So, um. They have this new method, which now might be old because this field is, is like changing so rapidly, but it was called geometric morphometrics. <laughs> <laughs> and it enables the scientists to quantify certain traits, such as the curves of the skull. Um, and so they can better compare the po- the bones of individuals. So they're using that for now testing dogs and wolves oh, okay. to see like what that is. So previously researchers relied primarily on the length of um, the the canine snout and mm-hmm. the size of the canine teeth to distinguish uh, dogs from wolves. So dogs typically have a shorter um, snout and their um, canines are smaller and their teeth are on the whole more crowded than those of wolves. So they have more crowded kind of thing. So the new method that they have might help everybody identify other and maybe more significant differences than just those ones that we can see with our eyes, right? Mm -hmm. Like the change in maybe how, like their brain size and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, There, I found some articles about behavioral differences between dogs and wolves as Mm -hmm. well. Um, Me too, me too. Oh yeah? Yeah, I only have a little bit, so once I say mine, yes, you can yes, quickly yes, jump yes. in. I, it's it's a bit of a it's from a study done in 2015. So I mean, it, they were studying with modern dogs and wolves. So mm. who knows how how much is the same as right. it was back then? 
Um, but they were saying that the structure of their packs are different. They're set up differently. So wolves have a much more egalitarian pack structure, which basically just means that the, the wolves within the pack have much more equal footing. Um, they still had dominant dogs and submissive dogs, but they were treated much more equally. So, or wolves, sorry. So while, do- uh, but dogs have a pack that is more dictatorial. So like more mm-hmm. hierarchical. Mm-hmm. So for an example of that is that wolves will eat together. So mm-hmm. even if a dominant wolf flashes its teeth and growls at a subordinate, the lower ranked member of the pack doesn't move away. But in dog packs, subordinate dogs will rarely eat at the same time as the dominant member of the pack. And they definitely, like some of them won't eat at all until yeah. that dominant, the, like the alpha right. dog is done and- eating. I don't know if you have that too, but that um, when a dog gets into a scuffle with another dog, right, is kind of like chastised or you get into a fight, yep. they tend to avoid that dog in the future. Ah. Wolves make up with each other a lot more readily, right? Interesting. I know, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Also, I just want to insert, I think it's really important that a huge thing that was lacking that people are just cluing into right now is how we've kind of touched on it a few times now, they were looking at the wrong modern dog, basically. So now yeah. research, researchers are looking at feral packs and feral dogs and wild, like the, you know, the strays and everything, because like you said, that's where they're seeing, able to see the hierarchical thing, but also mm-hmm. the more kind of like natural selection, because a lot of those dogs, like I think it was 80% of dogs are on the outskirts of cities. They're not our pets. Yeah. They're just living on their own out in the streets. Yeah. So... But people don't study those dogs, but that's... Which is what they should be studying because all the other ones that were specifically bred. So all the, like, most of the breeds that exist now were created in the 1800s. Like, most of them, it was a big fad at that time and people were like, hey, we we can do this and we can breed specific dogs. I need one that's really good at hunting. I need one that's really good at swimming. I need one that's really good at whatever. Yeah. And that's when they started doing it. Um, So a lot of the breeds we have now are only, say, what, 150 years old or, you know, 175 years old, somewhere around there. But before then, it wasn't like that. So a lot of the breeds that are like the purebred whatever now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're like a pure dog species in a way, right? Like that sounds weird, but... (laughs) I know, but a lot of people think that, right? yeah. Something Okay, something else that I found, and it's a little bit long, but bear with me, it was one of the coolest things that I read. And I don't know necessarily how it fits in with everything, but I love it so much. <laughs> Go for it. Okay, so um, the one, this is one of the most fascinating physical differences between wolves and dogs, and it has to do with their facial expressions. So mm-hmm. this is an excerpt from a research paper called Evolution of Facial Muscle Anatomy in Dogs. Um, by a bunch of people. So they're testing to see, they're arguing that there is actual um, a physical difference between dogs and wolves, and it has to do with their eyebrow muscles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is directly from um, their paper. So dogs were shaped during the course of domestication, both in their behavior and in their anatomical features. Here we show that domestication transformed the facial muscle anatomy of dogs specifically for facial communication with humans. A muscle responsible for raising the inner eyebrow intensely 
is uniformly <laughs> present in dogs, but not in wolves. I know I love that it's intensely like you just imagine them. <laughs> <laughs> Behavioral data shows that dogs also produce the eyebrow movement significantly more often and with higher intensity than wolves do, with highest intensity movements produced exclusively by dogs. Hmm. Interestingly, this movement increases pidomorphism and resembles an expression humans produce when sad, so its production in dogs may trigger a nurturing response. <laughs> so pidomorphism, I believe, is like the baby face thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're just Next imagining week, the a origin dog. Of manipulation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Okay, so there's a bit more from here. Um, the dog-human bond is unique and diagnostic of the evolution of human cultures. Dogs were domesticated over 33,000 years ago, and during that time, selection processes have shaped both their anatomy and behavior and turned them into humans' best friend. The most remarkable among dogs' behavioral adaptations as a result of selection during domestication is their ability to read and use human communication in ways that other animals cannot. Dogs are more skillful in using human communicative cues, like pointing gestures, or gaze direction, even than humans' closest living relative, chimpanzees, and also than their own closest living relatives, wolves, or other domesticated species. Recent research suggests that eye contact between humans and dogs is crucial for dog-human social interaction. Dogs, but not wolves, establish eye contact with humans when they cannot solve a problem on their own. Eye contact also helps dogs to know when communication is relevant and directed at them, as dogs tend to ignore human pointing gestures when the human's eyes are not visible. Dogs, but not wolves, seem to be motivated to establish eye contact with humans from an early age, and dogs' motivation to establish eye contact with humans seems to be an indicator of the level of attachment between humans and dogs. Thus, mutual gaze between dogs and humans seems to be a hallmark of the unique relationship between both species during human cultural evolution. Um, they showed that between dogs and humans, but not wolves and humans, mutual gaze seems to lead to an oxytocin feedback loop analogous with, to the one that exists between human mothers and infants. Oxytocin has a fundamental role during affiliative behaviors in mammals and during the onset of maternal behavior and mother-infant attachment. Similarly, mutual gaze between dogs and humans seems to trigger an increase of oxytocin in both species, which then increases the motivation to establish eye contact. As this cross-species oxytocin loop can be found in dogs and humans, but not between dogs' closest living relative, the wolf, and humans, Selection processes during domestication must have played an important role whereby dogs hijacked the human caregiving response. The most likely evolutionary scenario is that dogs' ancestor must have, to some extent, expressed characteristics that elicited a caregiving response from humans. Humans then consciously or unconsciously favored and therefore selected for those characteristics, leading to the analogous adaptations we see in dogs today. Sorry, that was so long-winded. No, I love it. It's interesting. But I found that so fascinating. It's still not necessarily like... And a little wrench to that is in this one study was this. Um, In terms of changes to the hormonal mechanism, so they're talking about oxytocin, 
Only pet dogs, but not similarly raised pack-living dogs and wolves, showed oxytocin release following positive interactions with their caregiver. Oh, no So again, I think we're just lacking the wild sort of... Because that's not where dogs. they originated. It might be where they are at now, where exactly. a pet dog is now. Exactly. But that's not and how that it came about. A yeah, long tradition too. There yeah. are there's a, like thousands of years ago, they had pet dogs, and mm-hmm. so those have their own lineage, their own history, mm-hmm. their own social thing, their own needs with and interactions with humans, right? Yeah. But is it fair to say that that's true of all dogs right it's almost like there should be distinct species that we're talking about right like and I think that's why everything you know I just find it so fascinating that no one thought of the scavenger type dogs but I just also want to quickly say the thing that's flipping the narrative that's changing like in this one article the girl says there's this idea that from wolves to dogs dogs are a nicer version than wolves less aggressive more tolerant a more fuzzy cuddly kind of animal and she says, I don't actually don't think that's true. She's been researching and studying wolves for a long time. But, like, I think that's an important narrative because, mm-hmm. you know, you have these cooperative... Just think of the wolf, again, without humans. You have this cooperative yeah. group. They share food. They are shy around humans. They don't need to look and establish eye contact with humans for help for any reason. Like, if they are presented mm-hmm. that problem, like in that you were mentioning, they go to each other because that's what they are is what they know yeah and that is a fascinating thing so dogs like you said they do have that relationship with humans yeah but they aren't necessarily less aggressive and more tolerant they're actually more aggressive in certain contexts and right more cagey and they can be just as um, dangerous to humans as wolves you know like so wolves are slow to trust very slow to trust they did all these studies on how long it takes wolf pups to get used to humans they Mm -hmm. can eventually um, and the number of like you know so, like care like keeper wolf attacks is very low compared to like you know even because you always hear the pet story the pet story of like yeah. dog owner attacked by dog and we're all like <laughs> yeah. oh my god he must have been like rabid or whatever like what happened you I know? think and we've just like, we've over the, <laughs> over the years and the like thousands of years mm. we've created such a narrative around this idea of dogs like even yeah. in these scientific research papers where they mm-hmm. describe it as man's best friend right and like that's not necessarily but we don't understand wolves the case that's my big problem Mm -hmm. with this we still don't the fact that researchers like when was this like this is recent that they're just cluing in like wait a minute wolves like (laughs) and wolves when they get used to humans they're very curious all of a sudden yeah and comfortable and so you think but I think you see that in other species and stuff as well, where it's like right. even lions and never tigers come to and whatever. <laughs> yeah. But, but then what if those ones who are a little more, were like, okay, wait a minute, who, what, what am I looking at here? Mm-hmm. Like I had that with a coyote. It was like not afraid of me whatsoever. They're yeah. usually afraid of humans. This one wasn't because he lived in the city, of course, right? But he didn't mm-hmm. have to interact with me. But he wasn't aggressive, right? Yeah. He didn't have rabies, wasn't all mangy and hungry. He just was looking at me and was yeah. following and he kind of had that, and I was being an idiot, so <laughs> I swear he had that expression of, what is this idiot doing? Like, it was just, I was entertainment, I think. I swear yeah. to God, you guys, the way well, this coyote looked at me. Well, I think that that's, like, animals look for that kind of stuff. Like, animals play with each other. They, you know, they and have they a lot of the same things. Curious. They're curious. Yeah. yeah. So if humans started selecting for it, if we had these wolves and dogs that are like, or wolves, I should say, sorry, that were kind of... Okay, what's going on here? Hmm, some scraps. All right. Like, yeah. 
Maybe so that's exactly ones. okay. So from about forty-five thousand years ago to fifteen thousand years ago, this is during the Paleolithic times. Hum- modern humans have arrived in Europe. Um, they're competing with the Neanderthals as the top predators of woolly mammoths and other big animals. Wolves are around, and sometime in this time range, dogs evolved, and then dogs became domesticated. Mm. And there's still an argument about whether they happened simultaneously if dogs evolved because wolves were becoming domesticated or like mm. which came first, the chicken or the egg yeah. type scenario. Jeez. But so when I very first started um, uh, looking into this stuff, my initial thing was because I had found a bunch of information that they're like, yeah, we we figure that this is the scenario that happened where um there was there were some wolves that weren't like in the pack anymore you know dejected wolves from the pack mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. that started trailing the humans and eating their scraps yeah. and being scavengers basically and over right. time they created a symbiotic relationship with mm-hmm. humans because they would alert the humans to um, other ne- like other humans that were coming to neanderthals to other predators because their sense of you know sight smell sound like sound hearing and all that was was much better (laughs) much better than humans so they were kind of like it worked Mm. for both parties so that I was like yeah that sounds awesome I really that makes sense to me so I I was originally thinking yeah that makes sense but then I read and this is, I think, what you were reading before when we when we did this topic last time, <laughs> <laughs> um, was that there was a, a study done by a, sci- a paleontologist, and I'm just going to chat a bit about some of the stuff that she found that totally disputes that theory that makes and so much sense to me. And keep in mind, her stuff could probably be disputed too, right? <laughs> exactly, because it's, <laughs> it's based on a bit of information, right? <laughs> exactly. But it's, it is a good argument, and it makes sense based Ooh, on the information she's presenting. A bit of information, because I have a little thing on that. But mm, go on. Okay. Okay, so there were some super old remains um, of what seemed to be very early dogs found in a 27,000-year-old settlement in the Czech oh. Republic. So 27,000 years ago... Jeez might be the first dog like actual bones of actual dogs that have like evolved already fathom. that's so long ago i know it's crazy so the people of this group that ha- had this settlement were mammoth hunters so th- this is the time you guys when people woolly mammoths were walking around and people were hunting them so it's a very long time ago so these they were mammoth hunters killing more than a thousand uh, mammoths at this one site alone so they were Whoa. pretty proficient at killing them right <laughs> <laughs> they also killed wolves um so canids yeah. are the most abundant type of mammal at the site after mammoths and their remains oh, include okay. seven complete skulls so there were a ton of remains of wolves and there were seven complete skulls but um, some of the canid skulls, canid, canid, yeah, the, skulls. It doesn't matter, yeah. Okay. Um, do not look exactly like those of wolves. Three in particular stand out. So this paleontologist that's doing this research is Mitya or Mitya German Prey. German Prey. Okay. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but. Um, so she compared. Um, 
the wolf skulls found that were found with these three unusual ones. And she found that these three unusual ones had shorter snouts, broader brain cases, and crowded teeth. So these kinds of anatomical changes are the first signs of domestication. Damn. Similar changes are found in the skulls of the silver foxes that you had were mentioning earlier that are the focus of a really famous long-running experiment. Oh, they were silver. Oh, sorry. I thought they were red foxes. In, oh. No, no, I no, no. Know. You're probably right. You're probably right. It, it, okay. I don't know. Maybe in this um, article yes, I found no, it. Yes, no, trust that. Silver. Trust that. Yeah. Um, so there's a really long-running experiment uh, being done in Russia that... Um, tested these foxes. So since 1959, uh, researchers there have selected foxes for tameness and bred them. And over the generations, their coats had become spotted, their ears were <laughs> floppy, their tails were curly, their snouts became shorter and wider. So... <laughs> their coats spotted. I know, isn't that crazy? They just turned into Dalmatians, basically. <laughs> and then Cruella de Vil came along, and that was the end of that. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I was like, this is cute. <laughs> so they found what that proves is that they found that their physical attributes were changing, even though the sci- the scientists had been selecting them only for behavioral reasons. They weren't selecting mm. these foxes, these tame foxes, um, based on what they looked like. They were doing it based on their behavior only. Mm-hmm. But they found that because by doing that, it yeah they all started changing in appearance right. to fit this kind of thing. Um, similar changes are seen in other domesticated species, including rats and mink. So German prey suspects that the apparent domestication at this site was actually a dead-end event. She doesn't think that it was, like, the key to all domestication. <laughs> okay. Um, and she even doubts that these animals are related to today's dogs, which is weird. Right. Well, it's like that dog war I mentioned, right? Yeah. So she says, nevertheless, they are dogs. They're Paleolithic dogs. So Damn. they, even though they're not necessarily like today's dogs, they, yeah. they are a version of a dog. Right. So she says these early dogs probably looked very much like today's huskies, although <laughs> they would have been larger, about the size of a German shepherd. The dogs um, were also included in rituals in ways that other species were not. Oh. So in one case, um, one of the people tucked what is most likely a piece of mammoth bone between the front teeth of one of the dog skulls after the animal died, and they arranged its jaws so that they clamped together on the bone which wouldn't have been possible if they had just died like that. It would have fallen away. So they speci- they can tell that it was done after death. Um, German Price suspects that an ancient human placed the bone there as part of a ritual related to hunting or to help sustain in death an animal the hunter revered or to enable the dog to assist a human in the afterlife. So Aww. there's all these like different things that come into it. <laughs> um, like the, you know when the pit bulls they don't let go of something <laughs> exactly yeah they it's just, just like, can't and they're just we're so mad at them they're like who would ever want these things around them and then fast forward 30,000 years and we've all got a dog <laughs> okay so in comes um, Pat Shipman is an anthropologist and argues that the first dogs were like a new and superior technology that helped the mammoth hunting modern humans outcompete the Neanderthals 
So Whoa. this is kind of the theory that I was talking about, mm-hmm. where um, there, uh, she and a few other scholars, include, including Gregor Larson, who I mentioned earlier, they think that wolves joined forces with humans on their own. <laughs> that they Sorry. defined identified humans as a new ecological niche that they could exploit. <laughs> <laughs> So basically, in the sense of that they were following them around and they Mm -hmm. could get scraps from them, they could use them for certain things, and then it ended up becoming a symbiotic relationship. So by this theory, it basically means that dog domestication wasn't deliberate on the part of the humans, but Mm. more was something that... Self-domestication, they call it? Yeah. Yeah, where the wolves sort of did it themselves. They kind of did it themselves. It wasn't an intentional... Like, it wasn't people stealing (laughs) wolf babies and raising them and domesticating them that way. I'm sure people could argue that, whatever, but like... And they do, because that's something... um, I think that's coming up here. Right. So, but German prey... So the reason why I mentioned all of that stuff about those dogs... German prey doesn't agree with this theory at all. Okay. Because based on what she found in that settlement mm-hmm. that's 27,000 years old, mm-hmm. she says the early dogs that she found weren't eating mammoths like the humans were. They were eating reindeer, which the humans didn't actually eat a lot of reindeer. They would have it every once in a while, but they didn't like it, so they would eat mammoths more. Oh. She also says the mammoth bones that they found at this um, settlement didn't show any signs of being gnawed by wolves, which suggests that they weren't free to roam and scavenge the scraps. So mm. she thinks that hunter-gatherers brought wolf pups to their camps, perhaps after killing the adult wolves or if they found abandoned pups or whatever, and she believes that they were using wolves and dogs um, as victims in their ritualistic sacrifices as part of these hunting rituals that they would have okay so that they would tie them up and they would just hold them there but do we know how because one lady argues that wolves would eat or do eat and would eat lean meat Mm -hmm. that they weren't just gonna eat everything right so i wonder what modern wolf scraps look like if they actually sit and gnaw on bones because they weren't scavengers they were hunters prey hunters and they would go and they share the meat, lean meat, because yeah. they can't eat fatty meat like humans can, right? Right. But scavenger dogs, they could eat like proper. They can eat. They chew whatever. They're they always can chewing eat whatever. on bones, yeah. right? That's when wild. a lot of that happened. So when the agricultural revolution happened, so in ten thousand oh, yeah. BC, the agricultural revolution happened, and that's when. Um, Humans shifted from a lifestyle of nomadic hunters and foragers to staying in one place and farming. Mm -hmm. And at that point, they had dogs that settled down with them. (laughs) Um, And that shift in the lifestyle actually led to genetic changes for both the humans and dogs. So over time, both species adapted um, to be able to process starches more easily because they were eating way more starches than they ever had before. Mm. So More, but it was a desirable thing to plant. Right. So that's not necessarily... Hmm. Yeah, go on. Go on. Yeah, it's just more. It's just changing it more. No, so, yeah, you know, yeah. if they're able to eat a little bit of fat, but yeah, so it, I'm again, saying like with biologically, dogs... Biologically, they might start changing again. Yeah, because they're like, hey, we're around these humans and they right. eat only fatty food and we realize we don't have to hunt in the same so way. So I guess the so. key is to look at those mammoth type. Side note, um, people are saying that because I think it's China, um, they don't 
they're kind of steering away from ivory now, elephant ivory, to uh, mammoth ivory. So a lot of digging is happening in the steppe area or whatever, which is kind of a huge region, but like kind of like so. And a lot of the permafrost, like everything is melting because of global warming. Oh, okay. so I thought... Okay. Oh, sorry. Yep. No, no, just sorry, that, that right. people are digging more for mammoth stuff okay. and everything's melting more. So a lot of people in these villages nearby, they're finding, that's where that dog war in Siberia was found, right? Oh. So it's this big, like, a lot of stuff's going to be found, right? Yeah, yeah. So I bet we're going to get way more answers. But just quickly, I wanted to make a point that you mentioned this when we were doing the, it the first time, that there we have so few examples, like so few yeah. fossils. Well, that's right. the thing. It's like it's based. I think that's why it makes it so difficult to figure out where they actually started yeah. and what made them different and unique and all that kind and, of stuff. Because and, sorry, super fast caniforms. They're I think like the family, the earliest form of everything and bears were in there as well. And so, oh, OK, it's like yeah, this and whole foxes, kind of foxes, I think, split. are part of that as well. Right. I, yeah, and then foxes and coyote and all those, they were all kind of more of the canids proper or whatever. Right. Because bears oh, are right. canines. They are different now. But like, so just so people know, though, that way back during this ice age or whatever with mammoths, mm-hmm. it's like there could have been all kinds of like canid species, I'm guessing. Totally. And it's interesting because some of the f- the earliest breeds, like actual breeds that kind of still exist today, like there's the Saluki and um, Basenji, mm-hmm. like those breeds of dogs are like 10,000, 8,000 years old kind of thing. And Crazy. when you look at what they look like, they don't look like wolves at all. Like looking yeah. at those breeds, because you would expect like seeing obviously the Huskies and the Samoids and the, you know, all of those dogs, you can see a much clearer line between wolves and those dogs right but some of the very earliest breeds look so different and then you have jackals which i don't think are related to any of them but they are a canine but they're yeah because they look super yeah right and then all the dogs that come from them and it's like when you think like (laughs) that's the thing where like looking at like the saluki breed like they're quite thin and Mm -hmm. almost like almost like a greyhound yeah, and I'm not pretty quite, sure they're but... sight hounds, which means that they're not, they don't rely so much on their sense of smell. Right. It's more of the vision when they're hunting, which is yeah. really different, right? It's very it different, like. yeah. Because we were trained to believe it's like dogs go by their nose. Yeah, although it's so interesting when I had my dog, who was a Husky Shepherd cross, mm-hmm. um, we, I, I, one of the training things that we took him to, they said you have to train them to use their nose to to seek mm-hmm. things out by smell. And I was right. like, what are you talking about? It's a dog. <laughs> they smell everything all the time. And they're like, no, they won't. Uh, it, like, depending on the breed, obviously. But most dogs, unless they're like a bloodhound or like one of the hounds that that's like what they are they have been bred for, then mm-hmm. it's really strong in them. They have to be taught to use their nose <gasps> as that something me. that... That helps them, huh? The wrench, kind of, not a wrench, but like a thing for that um, idea of like taking the pups early. Mm. I read a thing where wolf pups, they have to stay with their mom and they have to be taught like for a long time, way longer than dogs, like way, way longer, like an insane amount of time. They have to um, stay with them to learn how to hunt. So there's nothing innate about that. They have to be taught by their parents. So prenatal care is way longer, not prenatal, sorry pre what's it called when they're like babies whatever um (laughs) that takes way 
postnatal care? Yeah, postnatal. Like where the parents have to take care of the pups like way longer. Dogs, though, even feral dogs, they can have more pups more often because they don't have to take care of them as long. Because whatever they do, the scavenging or whatever, that's kind of like, go ahead and do it. So how does that factor in? If you take the pup... They don't have that, like, they have to be taught. But it's that thing, too, of, like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Is that how they've evolved over all of these thousands of years because they don't have to hunt anymore? Or was it certain wolves that initially weren't maybe as good at hunting and so they started Mm -hmm. scavenging or they, you know, they found other, they were resourceful in other ways. Right. Well, I was just thinking of the thing of right? like, people like, are taking puppies from yeah. like these wild wolves, and they because in that story, oh, right. the reason I have saying, a hard yeah. time to believe that is like because some theories they have. I'm not saying I believe in any of the theories. I just think a lot of wolves. It seems to be agreed that they were they're very shy. They always have been. They always mm. will, and that the ones who weren't so shy or who got over their fear pretty quickly. Most wolves do, but I mean, they still have to. Not all of them are like eager yeah. to try it, right? They're like, <laughs> see ya, guys. Yeah. Like, right? Like, it's just so wild thinking, like, you know, that th- these humans would go, would they just take the pups of these not so shy ones and kill? Why would they kill them? Or if they were, wouldn't they just be indiscriminate and just take any pup and just kill the wolves? No matter what, or and were the also, wolves so hard to find the shy ones because they ran away into the forest, right? Well, and by that standard, it's like, why not domesticate bears? Why not domesticate yeah. something else like that? That you you would think that if they were actively taking mm-hmm. babies of a certain animal mm-hmm. with the intention of, I'm mm-hmm. going to raise it up and see if I can utilize it as. Yeah helping me to hunt or helping me survive to survive in some way they could do that with all kinds of other animals and what about like the neglected pups and the abandoned like that's how we like i got phoebe my dog she was abandoned and Mm. yeah and by yeah in the forest and not by humans it was a just stray situation and you know so yeah. That was our, she's a cute little puppy. And it's like, I think, you know, not to presume what these Ice Age people were thinking, but like, <laughs> right? Like, if they were encountering those wolves and mm-hmm. maybe cooperating or not or whatever, maybe they were like, like you said, like they took them and they were like, okay, let's do this. Let's have yeah. our own kind of, let's use this. Right? But I think that that's like, that's the tricky thing is that at that time, like, there's no way to know how they lived their lives. Yeah. We have such limited information about, actual behavioral stuff yeah like yeah of you can see some species, cave right? paintings Human, wolf, yeah dog there's you can so see, many gaping holes you can see some cave paintings about okay they hunted these deer or whatever they mm-hmm. drew okay fine but that doesn't actually tell you what they were thinking and feeling and how they were acting and reacting right. and interacting with or what they did each with other the parts after how they ate it what parts exactly did they eat? yeah, yeah. It's like unless like somebody cave... shows me a little cave painting of them holding a paw, like a wolf paw, like their little best okay, friend. Okay, but you or have something. to mention the leash. That'd be so cute. Oh yeah. So that was the ancient Sumerians. Okay, so let me see here. So, um, so after uh, the agricultural revolution, uh, so that's about ten thousand BC. Um. We go, we jump then to like say 6,000 to 5,300 years ago. Um, so dogs 
they go into the cities because um, agricultural revolution gave humans an unprecedented level of food security that for the first time in history made large permanent settlements possible. So the first large-scale civilizations arrived with the Sumerians in Mesopotamia around 4000 BC. And by this point, dogs were going wherever people went, so they became a common sight in the cities. And dogs are depicted in artwork from ancient Rome to ancient China, but it was the Sumerians who, around 3300 BC, invented leashes and collars to control their dogs in the cities. So there are all kinds of engravings and pictures and whatever of these people with a dog on a leash with a collar from like... 4,000 BC. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. So that should kind of make that's everybody such a realize, long time like, ago. That's, to go back and just look at the origin of dog, like, just literally just finding that point where they broke off, maybe, sure. Mm-hmm. Even that, like, we don't know that. <laughs> just domestication. Already, they're, like, on leashes and collars and by the time pictures. <laughs> by the time anything is starting, like, any kind of history is starting to be written yeah. or documented in any yeah. way, dogs are well domesticated. Like, yeah. they are very well established, and they are super domesticated that's by that point. So that's nuts. why it's we have no information about... Yeah. I mean, we have information. It's yeah, just yeah. It's so people, much of it is speculative, know. right? Based oh, on little yeah. pockets of actual real DNA evidence, yeah. you know, then, that we found. You know, I was thinking about how, you know, dogs, the feral packs, right? The wild pack kind of, mm-hmm. you know, the majority of dogs out there, if they're in the cities and everything, you know, you see them like sometimes you'll see the like cameras in some kind of like third world country where they can't afford to usually keep the pets right they're just street dogs right yeah you look at the street dogs and they (laughs) actually do approach humans a lot of the time and they look at them they make the eye contact you know there's that kind of relationship right yeah but then coyote i was thinking about i'm like wait a minute we have a lot of urban ones there's debate as to whether they come into the city because they're malnourished there's too much Mm -hmm. competition Mm -hmm. or they come to the city because it's easy pickings but then they become kind of malnourished like there's Right. Definitely a relation between kind of sickly coyote in the city and then the wild, like more wild ones where they're much right. more healthy. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, it's a bit of a side note. But I was thinking like a lot of them become used to humans. Yeah. But they no one's domesticating them. Nobody's making pets out of them. And I don't think you can. I genuinely right. don't think they're into it. That is interesting. You don't really right? ever hear about people. Like you hear about people having all kinds of other animals. Yeah. That they're like, oh yeah, we have a, sure deer, a pet deer somehow, or we have a whatever, one. whatever. But yeah, I guess so much that, and yeah. it, but it's not this common thing. It's not this relationship because they've been around for forever, mm-hmm. and we never developed any kind of like you know, uh, like symbiotic thing with them. Right. right, we had our own dogs to do like the yeah. our own kind of version, and so I find that really and foxes same thing. Yeah. Like, Right. So I think this wolf and dog situation, I almost would argue we should just stop putting the two together as close as they are. I feel like they're so different. Yeah. So, so different, almost too different behaviorally. Oh, yeah. Everything. Completely. And, but people are obsessed with it. And I'm like, you guys, we need to just look at. By the now, dogs. though, they're completely different. Like they're not yeah. even remotely close. And, you know, if that started changing with domestication Mm. what was going on before maybe you know i don't know i just like yeah anyway you guys this is such a big topic (laughs) that we could probably write a whole book we'll probably revisit if we find more information it's just and i was telling Kristen earlier i'm like you know 
people have written books on the subject, and I feel like a lot of them we have to take off the shelves and burn because <laughs> it's like, because it's all old it's information, or yeah. it's kind of like you know definite, like just not right anymore. Or like I would a say, picture. in the last like probably ten years, there's been major changes in the research yeah. that's been found that just completely threw out basically everything they thought they knew about where dogs had come from and how they started. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so... I still can't believe the wolf thing that they are just now realizing that they are kind of like the more cooperative, gentle, not-so-aggressive dogs versus dogs. (laughs) When they get in a pack, it's kind of like... But then, listen to this interesting thing. Little wolf pups are possessive of their food, but little wolf, like little dog puppies, you can take their food, usually. Oh, right. Hmm. I'm, but then I think, well, what about the little stray puppy? It's gonna hold on to its sausage like there's no tomorrow, yeah. right? So, like little Farlow, he was a little yeah. wild dog, and he was super possessive, possessive of his food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but it's just like, yeah, it's the most crazy. insane thing that we don't know. This is the one that no one knows the answer yeah. to the origin. And here, both of us started researching it independently, thinking mm-hmm. like, oh, this will be kind of a fun thing. Okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah, because I love dogs so much, I wanted to Me know. Too. Yeah. And then we both and were like, oh, let's do it. And then we almost lost our minds. Yeah, it was Independently. Brutal. Independently. And, then t- and now and together. together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now you guys get to lose your minds with this random amount of information. <laughs> You guys, there's so much good stuff out there, though. Like a lot of good articles. And, it's like, really fascinating looking at. Like it's I just too loved, big. It's I loved too learning big. about those facial, like the eyebrow stuff. Yeah, that was so cool. I'm like, it's so true. because yeah. dogs will just stare right in your eyeballs. Like, oh yeah, no, dogs and wolves. They've always that's how they communicate with each other. So it's always existed. It's independent of humans. And I'm like, okay, but it's not whatever. to that same degree. Like, right? right? But I look at know. that. It's this tiny yeah. thing of facial interaction, and mm-hmm. then you have genes. Yep. Then you have how they're so like the biology part, yeah. Their behavior, the like human relation, like aspect, yeah. The climate, the habitat. It's too much. It's too much, you guys. So we're gonna stop here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Remember to like, subscribe, and review. It really helps us out. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram. We are at podcast dot or dot something. Oh, or. Uh-huh. Sorry, a quick note. Sorry to everybody. A uh, note, a little personal note about the social media. I didn't forget about it. I it hasn't been updated in a bit, just because I discovered <laughs> I have anemia of all things. So I've oh, been no. exhausted <laughs> and just not focused. I'm getting better now. Yay! And it was just a complete health thing. So I haven't like abandoned social media, but like it's just a bit slower. So bear with me. Yes, and you should follow because she makes some really funny posts and some little <laughs> funny reels with, like, I don't know, I really like them. So <laughs> you should follow us. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you don't have Instagram and you want to write to us, you can do so. We are podcast or something at gmail.com if you want to send us an email. And we will talk to you later or something. Bye. Bye. Say interrupt or something. Dare you. <laughs> <laughs>